Hey guys, welcome to the show. I'm Lauren and this is Liam. Hello. Thank you so much for tuning in and a big thank you especially to our live viewers. Uh, before we get into it, I do want to just remind you all to please like, share, and subscribe, comment, etc. Really helps us out and I'm, I'm not just making that up. I'm It's dead serious. There's like a measurable improvement in the performance of our videos when you guys do that. And yeah. we see you sharing them play, our videos places like Reddit, Twitter, Facebook, and we really, really appreciate it. Even emailing it. People have laughed when I've said that, but yeah. we see people are emailing the videos. It really helps us out. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Um, so today we have a fun show. We're going to be talking about celebrities getting political at the Emmys because, Shocking of course, everybody. they yeah. do. Uh, then the Young Turks defend cancel culture. Shocking everybody. <laughs> Not many people defending that kind of thing nowadays, but that's what the Young Turks are there for. Then Greta Thunberg, I want to say. Yeah, Thunberg. Thunberg. I, I, That's how I've heard it pronounced. Yeah, I I'm apologize. I apologize if I'm pronouncing that wrong. I probably am. But we're going to be talking about her, I guess, little speech that's been making rounds on social media. In general, we're also going to be discussing climate alarmism. And we're going to be finishing off the night with the tale of Mattel's gender neutral dolls or gender fluid dolls. I'm not making that up. Uh, and of course, a big thank you to anyone who gives us a super chat during the show. We're not going to be answering them uh, during the main part of the show. But if you're mm. watching live, stay on stream. We're going to be going through pretty much all of them. <laughs> and uh, if you do want to support the show another way, you can, of course, head on over to blazetv.com slash Lauren. Subscribe using the code Lauren. Not only do you save money on your annual subscription, you help us keep the lights on over here. Yep. Get a ton of other great shows. And for people who also want to support the show, we have... These nifty little mugs now, uh, you know, Blaze yeah, Media mugs, cool. yeah, pseudo intellectual mugs. Uh, if you want any merch, we also have T-shirts. You can head on over to shop.theblaze.com, and uh, not only do you have merch for our show, you also get stuff for any of the other Blaze shows. Uh, you know, Ali Stuckey, Chad Prather, Graham Allen, all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, so to hop right into it, the Emmys were this past weekend. Were you ever a big, I'm guessing, no, no <laughs> watcher no. of the award shows? Yeah. I mean, I think I watched like when I was really young, like graduating, like elementary, going into high school. I used to watch like a lot of MTV, a lot of like yeah. the, the award ceremonies then. Back when the music wasn't that bad. Maybe, you know, Billy Talent was on there. Yeah, and that's like that. You know? I never really watched the acting ones, but I used to like the... The music award show because they used to have yeah. performances of the artists that I like. Yeah. With the acting ones, I it, there's less of a draw for me personally, but uh, apparently for a lot of other people because they were this past weekend, and we're gonna get into why. But ratings, long story short, are down, and uh, a lot of the celebrities who were giving acceptance speeches now were adding politics into it, and I feel mm. like this is the trend that we've been seeing for a few few years now. And that does coincide with the downward trend in ratings, right? Yeah, like shocking. The ratings have been dropping consistently year by year for all these award ceremonies, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, pretty much all of them. Yeah. Um, and, and people I've seen have pointed out to things, well, it's it's because, you know, they're not on streaming, cable, etc. It's like, look, uh, stuff like the Super Bowl still performs fine. There are things that yeah. are still killing it on cable news. Uh, Tucker Carlson shows, for example. Um this is a problem specific to our award shows. And the way I feel about celebrities and politics is, look, if you're a celebrity, a singer, actor, whatever, like anyone else, you're entitled to your own political opinions, of course. I've done videos in the past where I was a little bit too denigrating toward them, I think. I maybe didn't make it clear that it's, yeah, have your political opinions, exactly. The problem I have is that when people assume, including celebrities, that their political opinions are more valid or educated, and everyone else just because 
they're famous for unrelated things, like being yeah. a singer or actor. But that's not, I guess, a problem with the celebrity themselves, per se. It's a well, problem sometimes with... Sometimes it's a problem with the well, celebrity themselves. Part, part, part of the time, I think, but more, it's more of a problem that people actually think that their opinions are more valuable than they are. Yeah. Like, there's no reason to, to consider the political opinions of these people above your next door neighbor. Exactly. You know, they're, they're not they're experts no, in the field. They're just, they're just a person. No more likely to be informed. Exactly. Right. And like when people were giving Taylor Swift crap about not weighing in on every political, it's like, leave her alone. And I, we defended her from that. Uh, now yeah. she's all political. And, you know, I've criticized her. And that's, I mean, you open yourself up to that when you start getting into politics. I'm not going to say, don't listen to what these people think because they are celebrities. I'm going to say, don't listen to what these people think because... In most cases, I'm sorry, they're beautiful idiots. Of course, there are there are celebrities who are exceptions to that, like Angelina Jolie. She does activism with the U UN humanitarian groups. I think that's good. She's you know drawing attention to that. I think she's mm -hmm. raised money for that. That's great. That is the exception, not the norm. So there are several actors who got really political in their acceptance speeches last night. We don't have video because we've been having issues with copyright stuff on, on YouTube, but mm -hmm. we do have transcripts of this speech, which is the next best thing. So I wasn't sure who Michelle Williams was, but she she's an actress who was given an award last night. And we have this from the New York Times. Um, Quote, in acceptance speech at the Emmy Awards on Sunday, Michelle Williams spoke out against the gender pay gap in Hollywood. The next time a woman, and especially a woman of color, because she stands to make 52 cents on the dollar compared to her white male counterpart, tells you what she needs in order to do her job, listen to her, Williams said. Believe her. In January 2018, news broke about a significant pay discrepancy between Williams and Mark Wahlberg, her co-star co in the film All the Money in the World, about the 1973 kidnapping of John Paul Getty. For 10 days of reshooting, they were both paid a per diem of $80, but Wahlberg received an additional $1.5 million. Wahlberg and his talent agency, which also represented Williams, made a $2 million donation $2 million, that is, donation in Williams' names to a fund that aims to fight pay inequality. So, here's the thing. Wage gap is not a thing. I feel like it's become a meme on the internet. Yeah. There have been stories where the wage gap has come up, and part of me feels like, oh, maybe I should talk about that. But then I think, no, we've all heard that a million times. It's but a the, stale meme at this yeah, point. Yeah, it, it's stale, yeah. right? But the thing is, as stale as it is, <laughs> there are people who are still talking about it. Um... Female actresses, by and large, because there are exceptions, of course, Jennifer Lawrence gets paid more than some random actor I've never heard of. Yeah. Um, female actresses don't get paid as much as male actors in general because they don't bring the same amount of revenue when they're on board films, right? And films are uh, essentially, they're things people invest in to make a profit, right? It's not just, I want to sponsor this piece because it inspires me. Maybe, but most of the time, no. The people who give the money want money back, so they're going to, Try to get which stars are bankable. Yeah, I mean, it's basic economics, and we've we've had this argument time and time, time again. Time and time again. And it feels like we're talking past each other, but it's not really true. We're talking, and they refuse to listen. Because mm -hmm. I think that's very clearly debunked, in my opinion. It's of course, not like, no. It's not like, oh, we have different opinions, and they're both valid, and we need to have this conversation. It's like, we're trying to have a conversation. We're presenting facts, and you're saying, not interested. Yeah. You know? And it's like, with this case, like, what? You're telling me? Mark Wahlberg earned more money than actress I've never heard of. Right, shocking. And it's also shocking. worded in a particular way, right? It was it was on a reshoot. They definitely wasn't considering 
their actual shot yeah. of the video. So I, I don't. I still assume he got paid more than her by a fair margin. Yeah, but margin. there may have been contractual right? But it would have been. That's the thing is definitely if they're both represented by the same agency, there was definitely probably. Well, sorry, most likely a contractual clause within Mark Wahlberg's contract that said if you have to reshoot, you have to pay this amount of money. Yeah, it's not and, reshoots are not included in the initial fee. Right. right. And for her contract, Maybe obviously there was a stipulation yeah. that was different because she only got paid $80 a day. So Yeah. And I think the, the moral of the story here is ladies do not ever expect anything in life, but especially business to be handed to you. Yeah. Okay. And the same goes for men. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like there aren't many men who go out in there into the world expecting that stuff will just be handed to them. But I feel like, you know, with all of these contract negotiation things, we're trying to put the responsibility on the company to just pay women more because they're women and it's like i fully expect that every job i've ever had they've tried to pay me as little as possible i've got to try i've gotten to i've attempted to be paid as much as possible and it's been that negotiating balance right of course, which is yeah. just how it works women are much less likely to negotiate their pay than men are though and it's i mean i don't even want to go into this because i feel like we've talked about this so much but it's like okay goodness uh michelle williams you need to watch some shoe on head she has a great button about this. She will explain it to you. Um, but she wasn't the only person at the Emmys getting political. Other than that, uh, Patricia Arquette, uh, if you're not familiar with her, Liam wasn't either. She was nope. in the act. She she won an award as well. She's one of the people who on Twitter, if you follow her, she is like full on orange man bad into activism. Mm. Uh, but this is what CNN says about her acceptance speech. Uh, Patricia Arquette used her Emmy acceptance speech for her role in Hulu's The Act to mention someone who unfortunately could not be there to celebrate with her, her sister Alexis, the actress and transgender activist who died in 2016. In my heart, I'm so sad I lost my sister Alexis and that trans people are still being persecuted, Arquette said while accepting the Emmy Award for Best Supporting Actress in a Limited Series or Movie. I'm in mourning every day of my life, Alexis. Arquette was greeted with cheers as she petitioned for less persecution of and more job security for transgender people, saying, let's get rid of this bias that we have everywhere. The enthusiasm was notable from Orange is the New Black actress Laverne Cox, who had brought ACLU staff attorney Chase Strangio, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, goodness, as her date to the ceremony and whose accessories included a rainbow clutch that included the words October 8th, Title VII Supreme Court. The upcoming case will decide whether a federal employment law that bans discrimination based on sex can also be used to protect members of the transgender community. This isn't the first time that Arquette has used her podium to get political. Her 2015 Oscar speech, which she gave while accepting the Supporting Actress Trophy for Boyhood, called for pay equity. While accepting for female actor in a miniseries or TV movie for her work in Showtime's Escape at Denim... Danamora. At the 2019 Screen Actors Guild Awards, she thanked former FBI Director Robert Mueller and, quote, everyone working to make sure we have sovereignty for the United States of America. Okay. First off, I think this may be controversial, but I think there should absolutely be discrimination based on sex for jobs, funding, sports, whatever. And the reason why I say this is because the argument that's always brought up is that, like, oh, well, you wouldn't treat black people differently than white people for jobs. Why should you do that for men and women? Okay, sex is not an analogy for race. Uh, we we see this kind of language used a lot in activism circles. Um, you know, the, when gay marriage was still up for debate, people were saying it's like, that's like banning interracial marriage. Like, regardless of how you feel about gay marriage, they are different things. Um, for example, with the employment thing, if an employer wants a female bikini waxer, 
I think they should have the right to hire a biological woman. Uh, you know, I think if a man who decided 20 minutes ago that he wants to be called a she comes in and says, hire me or you're a bigot, I think the employer should have the right to say, you can go screw off. My opinion, um, you know, not to mention when it comes to this whole issue of uh, sex discrimination, including transgender identities, it, it brings into question things like sports, uh, sports funding, a yeah. lot of the things about now um, girls sports programs have to be funded the same as boys or male sports programs, even though they really don't bring in the same amount of revenue. Like all of this stuff is being called into question because we're trying to treat sex, especially sex ident or gender identity as a analogy for race, even though they're, they're totally different. Mm -hmm. um, I don't begrudge like people having political opinions again, but it's like, you're, you're like everyone else. And I feel like, um, what, what they're doing at these award shows would be like if your dentist, anytime you went to get your teeth cleaned, wouldn't start, stop talking about Trump. Eventually. Oh, I get that. Actually, I have gotten really? that treatment. Well, she's, we're in Canada. Everybody makes fun of Trump here. Yeah. It's kind of sad, but it's the status quo. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting my teeth cleaned and whatever. It's like, this is not a conversation. I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting uh, dictated yeah, like, to. Huh, huh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean. Even though they are celebrities, right, we, we have to at least have a discussion about is this appropriate to even talk about at something like an acceptance speech, right? There are other professions, lawyers, teachers, human resources, you know, other people get recognized and get given honors or titles to. Would you be okay or would you find it normal for any of those people to, when giving their acceptance speech, go on this whole political tirade that has nothing to do with their actual professional work they're being recognized for? Uh, a lot of people would say no. And you know, when I tweeted that we were doing this video and that uh, Patricia Arquette got political about transgender acceptance or whatever, someone did say transgender acceptance is not political. Uh, if, if you think that, then like that's r ridiculous. Okay, but we're, we're literally talking about things like t Title VII, which is being reviewed by the Supreme Court. It doesn't get more political than that. You can say that transgender people being treated as humans is not political, whether they have the same, or sorry, whether they're able to call themselves whatever they want and be treated identi identical to a biological, like, I'm sorry, that is political regardless of how you feel about them. Um, so yeah, you know, here I want to be totally clear. I'm not trying to say boycott the Emmys. I'm not trying to say boycott Patricia Arquette, Laverne Cox. Or I'll Michelle say that. Lewis. I mean, listen, why would we, why would you watch them? No, you, you could do whatever you want. <laughs> but right? why would you want that? That's right. what I'm saying. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, you're right. I'm not going to say also boycott them because I, I no, didn't know, I know who I she know. was. So clearly no, I, I'm I not. I'm actually that. suggesting to boycott them, but I'm saying. But I mean, to, on a more serious note, it seems like people are kind of already doing that, whether people are calling right. for it or not. Right. Exactly. Um, so as Vulture reports, uh, per Nielsen, Sunday ceremony drew just 6.9 million viewers, by far the least watched Emmys ever. Most industry insiders had expected ratings to decline, if only because that has been the trend in recent years. But viewership of Sunday's show uh, declined by about 30 percent versus 2018 show. So that's huge, right? Yeah. That, that's a huge, huge drop off. It's not just explained by, oh, but it's cable. No, just people aren't interested in tuning in to hear the opinions of celebrities. And look, there are tons of celebrities, actors, singers who whose work I still really like, even though I don't like their politics. And oh, I yeah. would like the opportunity to appreciate their work or even appreciate them being recognized for their work, like at an award ceremony, without being lectured to. And, you know, 10 years ago, it wasn't the norm that anytime you go up and accept an award, you have to talk about your politics. It used to be about like, oh, let me talk about this actual project, the people I worked with, my family, stuff like that. But I feel like now it's become this like 
elitist virtue signal for celebrities to do in front of other celebrities. Yeah. And if you're not doing it almost for your celebrity, you probably like, feel pressure too. Yeah. Know? Then people are people going to think you're a Trump supporter? What? Why are you talking about your politics in your award speech? And um, like we have a poll here by YouGov, and it's really interesting. Uh, ahead of the broadcast, they polled people, and apparently, leading up to this, most Americans did believe that the 2019 Emmy ceremony would be political. 59% of people polled said it would be very slash somewhat political. Only 13 said not very slash not at all political. So obviously that doesn't equal 100%. I'm guessing there were some people who were in the middle there. I don't think it's a coincidence that people had this impression going in and then decided not to watch. And we can see that interestingly enough, it's actually broken down by party. Republicans were a lot more likely um, than Democrats to believe it was going to be political and even more likely than independents. Republicans believe 75% it was going to be political Democrats at 60%, independents at 54%. But it's pretty much everyone knows that this is what the Emmys is about now, yep. which is so strange because it's supposed to be about acting. And, and, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I guess it might be relevant to mention politics if your work or whatever was at all related to that. But it's like with the act, what Patricia Arquette was or nominated and won for. I don't know if you know the story, but it's, it's about like this little girl who arranges to have her mother killed. Not much to do with transgender activism. And uh, interesting, another poll from YouGov, 45% of people also believe it's inappropriate for Emmy winners to mention politics. Yeah, Do you, do you think it's okay for them to mention politics? Um, I'm not opposed to it because I think that, you know, if you actually do want to make meaningful political change, there are times where it's useful, right? So there's obviously like this, there's there's a there's a gray area. There's a, there's, yeah, that there's idea a, of using your platform for good. Yeah. Right? That's I mean, what the, a lot of people would see it as. Right. So uh, there, there is an argument to be made in support of that. And it, it's, it's I'm, I sympathize with that, but I just think that, you know, clearly it's way oversaturated and mm -hmm. at this point meaningless to do so. Yeah. Almost. And I, I think so. something worth also mentioning before we move on is that this year's Emmys had no host. So in the past, there used to be oh, one yeah. person hosting. Often it was a comedian. Wasn't it supposed and to be Kevin Hart? This was the year, right? No, I think that was the Oscars. Oh, and that was okay. a previous thing. But the Oscars ended up having no host. And I mm -hmm. see, I think now Emmys is following suit. And it's because cancel culture has almost made it impossible to find people who are totally blameless. So I guess their solution was, let's just not have anybody. But that's a problem because the host of the Oscar or the Emmys or whatever, used to be a big draw. Like people used to tune in for wanting to hear. Yep. Um, I know Ricky Gervais, he hosted it once, his jokes or stuff like that. But when you have nobody, it's like, why bother tuning in? So between no hosts because of cancel culture, uh, you know, celebrities getting political on their soapboxes, it's like, I, I'm pretty sure eventually the people who organize this are going to like need to sit down and say, all right, we have to get these people in line. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to do this show anymore or we're going to do it and no one's going to be watching. I mean, honestly, I'm at the point where I'm not going to be watching either way. I don't need to, you know, watch for a few hours with a celebrity circle jerk. But if you do want to, I won't judge you. We all have our guilty pleasures. Um, okay, so our next story is about the Young Turks, our friends. Mm, the content circle. Yeah, the yeah. Young Turks. Uh, we're talking about cancel culture. Ah, perfect segue. Um, so we've talked before about how we're not fans of cancel culture on the show uh, with the Dave Chappelle special, and also I think Louis Louis C.K. is back. Did I heard that right? I don't know if he's fully back, but he's been trying to like he's been doing local clubs for quite a while. I yeah, I mean, I feel like more and more people are starting to realize that the idea that something you said or did 
five, ten years ago, being able to destroy your life essentially forever yeah. uh, is no way to live as a society. Or, I mean, heck, even if it was something that you've you've said or done now and, you know, you apologize well, especially if it's for not illegal, it. right? I mean, of course, you can do things that are atrocious, like killing somebody, but, but none of these people did that. But you know what? I was even thinking about that. Progressives love to argue in favor of criminal justice reform, something mm. that I actually do support. I do feel like some of these people are more willing to forgive people for doing something like committing an armed robbery or something than they are someone making a sexist or racist joke in the past, right? Because yeah, that's a good you know, point, we say, actually. oh, but they didn't do anything legal. If they were actual ex-cons, though, I feel like they may actually, they might actually be more forgiving than if they go against progressive narrative, which is messed up to think. Yeah. But it's true. It's viewed for their lens of power, right? Yeah. And, and I, I want to be clear in both cases, I do think people can change. I do think people can grow and should be given that opportunity. Um, you know, not letting people move on because they mess up one time or they're at least perceived as messing up one time. Like that's a toxic way to live. Um, there have been a couple of things that I've seen like on social media circulating, pushing back against the idea that cancel culture is bad. And I've always found that really interesting. Um, like why wouldn't you defend this awful dehumanizing practice? One of those things that's, that's defending cancel culture is the following video we're gonna be looking at from the Young Turks. Uh, for context, in this video, they were discussing the recent incident where Shane Gillis, who's a comedian, uh, was let go from his position at SNL shortly after being hired because of some things he said on a podcast that I didn't find were especially funny, but I did believe were clearly jokes. I didn't believe yeah. he actually like was racist again against Chinese people or anything like that. But uh, we have this clip from the Young Turks. Renee Graham wrote, I'm old enough to recall when cancel culture was better known as consequences. <laughs> Saying cancel culture generally means boycotting or ghosting someone who has said or done something racist, sexist, anti-LGBTQ or otherwise deeply objectionable. This is what Bill Burr said. Did they go back and try and look back at good things the person might have done, or are they just looking for the bad stuff? Uh, for the record, of course, she points out, Gillis made his most recent racist comments way back in 2018, <laughs> and he said them on a podcast, so they weren't hard to find. You didn't have to do much digging. Is cancel culture merely just giving people consequences for bad behavior? Your I mean, opinion. I mean, merely no. Obviously, yes, it, to some degree it is, but it's not just that. It's a serious, it's a, it's a systemic thing, right? Yeah, and I think, like, there's nothing wrong with consequences. Obviously, I'm in favor of consequences, but if you ask me what cancel culture is, it's, it's almost like what cults do to control your behavior. Yeah. Um, they'll take things that maybe shouldn't even be punishable, like hanging out with the wrong person, which people have been canceled for, and if you don't do what they want, they'll shun you, yeah. right? They'll disconnect i think is what the scientologists call it like they'll cancel you that's essentially. right that's a very good uh, that's a very good way of looking at it I yeah think. and that's so what like, they did to ron miskovich and his son for example yeah right? exactly so, you're, you're cut out of their lives and so that's what people are trying to do now you're gonna you're cut out of the entertainment industry yeah. you're cut out of whatever and you know if you look at it through that lens they're not necessarily consequences for bad behavior um it's manipulation so you don't go against the narrative they're trying to like control right. you not just doing wrong or right, but it's doing things that offend them personally, which is a very different thing. And I think that is it, what points to that as well is that I think a lot of celebrities quietly disagree with them, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you hear that a lot, where a lot of celebrities just think that some of these notions that they're pushing on them are ridiculous, but they're afraid to speak out. So about they just it. don't say anything. So it is very cult like. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, yeah. there's there there have been people that have said, yeah, if you see a celebrity who doesn't talk about politics, odds are they're actually conservative. So they just don't want to talk about it, which is. Sad, because again, 
I don't think you should necessarily have to talk about politics because not everything is about politics, but to feel like you can't even honestly express your opinions without fear of never working again in your industry, that's that's too far. Yeah, it doesn't sound me. very American to me. No, exactly. And I mean, another issue that I take objection with, with what she was saying is that I don't think that cancel culture is like merely just calling out bigotry, because if, if you look at it, a lot of what people are being canceled canceled for is saying stuff that is only offensive if you operate under the most delicate progressive sensibilities, right? I mean, they act like they're canceling actual Nazis, KKK members, stuff like that. That That's not what's happening. I mean, Sean Gillis made a joke about Chinatown being really Chinese, okay? Yeah. I've been to Chinatown, hint, it's super Chinese. It's coming from a Chinese person. Yeah. You know, Kevin Hart. Yeah, he made, did use a slur, right? But he also he was using it in in context of, of, a, of a different person yeah. too. So, so they it, they, ripped, they totally took it out of context. They made it seem like he said this really racist thing. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I'm I'm Chinese. I grew up in Hong Kong. I wasn't offended by it. I don't care. You go ahead, SNL. Like knock your socks off. I mean, Kevin Hart made a joke about. A, a hypothetical gay son. Oh, yeah. I don't think Kevin Hart is actually homophobic. He's been in the public eye for a long time. If he really was, I'm pretty sure we'd have more evidence of it than a few joke tweets. And that was a long time ago. And it too. was that a one, long that time ago. That one wasn't last year, like Shane Gillis's one. That one was like almost 20 years ago. It was exactly. 15 years so, ago or something. Like you're not calling out bigotry when you cancel these people. You're asserting control over our culture, telling people what they can and cannot joke about. Like that's mm-hmm. not you being righteous, standing up for marginalized people. And like not to mention, there's the issue of proportionality when it comes to this stuff. Because let's say someone genuinely did say something inappropriate. Like, I mean, actually racist or sexist or just like not okay and not our 2019 definition but seriously not okay made people uncomfortable um do you think it's fair that they should essentially never be able to work or participate in public life again because i don't think that's proportionate right i mean i remember like i've done stuff in hr before the the whole thing is if someone says something inappropriate you have to go talk to hr you may have to take a a training seminar seminar for like racial sensitivity or something sign some papers you pay your dues you move on it's like we've abandoned that notion. Like now there's like no, you don't get any second chances. And it's it's kind of like there's no statute of limitations. We can go back as far yeah, as we want. That's true. To dig up. You could literally dig up old people's past in the case of, I think it was John Wayne, right? Yeah, John Wayne. Like, never mind. They're that, trying to cancel. Um, gosh, she wrote like Little House on the Prairie or something. She was oh, born in the Oh, yeah, 1800s. that's right. I heard about that too. Yeah. It's like, are you serious? Yeah. We're canceling dead people for who were born like over a hundred years ago for things. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah, so it, this is absolute craziness. And I mean, here we go. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so it's just, it's a terrifying world to live in. And the, the next clip we have kind of is them dealing with the idea that... Um, we often say that, oh, no, this joke was okay because back then it wasn't racist or back then or like, no, things have changed. Uh, I would never have said that now. So this is the Young Turks take on that. The idea that the culture was different a long time ago, that um, society was okay with it back then. And I think that depends on what you consider, who you consider to be a part of society. Yeah. Graham wrote about dealing with a racist incident in her newsroom a while back, and a colleague mentioned a time when you could just say anything. Um, and she wrote, you know, he didn't realize that those were miserable decades for women, people of color, and the LGBTQ community. You were expected to stay silent while your race, ethnicity, gender, or sexual identity was dragged to filth 
in front of your face, what was once okay for him was never okay for the rest of us. And there's more, but I know we're running out of time here. It's survival technique. So we're like, oh man, I remember my friend back in the day, I called him N-words all the time. And I just joked about how lazy Latinos are and all this stuff, and they're cool with it. They were never cool with right. it. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. We weren't cool with you switching up our names. We weren't cool right. with you throwing our lunch into a trash can before we ate it. We weren't cool with that. Essentially what they're saying in that clip is that it's not that people were less sensitive back then, it's just that people, the people who were being hurt by these statements didn't have any power to speak up. Okay. I like that she also said it was like stealing someone's lunch and putting it in the garbage. Yeah, that's right? not that's, the same. Right? I was like, that's just bullying. Like, what? Yeah. what that's not bullying is at still all. wrong. Like, no one's saying like, oh no, I could totally bully people back then, like actually physically bully them, and it was fine. Right. Steal their stuff, and it's like, okay, no one's talking about no. that. That's still not okay. That's never been okay for you to do to anybody, regardless of any reason. Um. So I mean, regarding the sensitivity about jokes or whatever, I mean. I'm pretty sure that's bullcrap because, like I said before, um, it's not that things weren't considered, or here we go, it's not that fewer things were considered racist or sexist back then, and so that's where the problem was, it's that it was still secretly racist. Um, because a lot of the things people are complaining about now, again, are still not racist or sexist, right? So I have trouble believing that, you know, all of these marginalized groups actually were hurt by the jokes back then, and now they can just finally speak up because... That makes it sound as if, you know, these PC brigades of cancel culture, you know, Twitter mobs are being led by marginalized groups, but they're not. They're being led by woke, probably white and wealthy, better educated progressives, right? It, it, it's it's not just like marginalized people are, are finally sick of it. That is a very big misrepresentation of the progressive movement. Mm -hmm. And they've done studies on that. Um, it, it kind of frustrates me when I see people almost try to speak on behalf of entire groups like, you know, black people, Chinese people, Mexican people, and say, we never liked these jokes. Like, you don't speak for them. You don't yeah, speak for Yeah, it's the white savior whole complex, right? I, I, exactly. And I think what people have a hard time realizing now is that making a joke about something doesn't mean you actually have that belief. No, of course not. No, is it like, so, I mean, I, I get bad Asian woman driver jokes all the time from but my- But they're not always jokes. <laughs> yes. Well, one of the first dates we went on, she- Okay, 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 we don't need to. I'm not a good driver. She backed up into a parked car. It came out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, like, obviously I'm probably like a prove the rule right, but, you know, I, I have friends who make that kind of stuff, jokes about Chinese people or whatever, and I don't actually think they're racist, so I mean, I would hope that if you have a, a friend, you can joke about them. And I would like to say, I think this applies both ways. Um, I know progressives, I mean, even in this clip, we saw like, oh, well, you know, it's just that we didn't have the power you had to make fun of us. Like, I find white people jokes funny. If you haven't seen Rucka Rucka Ali's video, um, I can do whatever I'm white. I think that's what it's called. It's hilarious. It plays on white stereotypes, loving hockey, cargo shorts, laughed my butt off. It's totally... Like, Anything is fair game as far as I'm concerned. I just hate this attitude that if we joke about something, we really must mean it. Therefore, we can't yeah. even, you know, make a comment or joke about women, let's say, being in the kitchen without meaning. Like, we literally want to take away women's suffrage. It's And you ridiculous. know what? Sometimes you'll say things that some people find offensive. And that's and, okay. And that's, it is what it is. They're adults. They should deal with it. And maybe you did say something that was inappropriate and you grow from it or whatever it is. You know, mm -hmm. we all have those loud friends. Sometimes we're that guy. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, back then it was like you said something and they you dealt with it like an adult. But yeah. now, now it's like, you know, cancel. 
you know, yeah. lose your job. It's got to be very draconian. Exactly. Just not right. And uh, I mean, we, we have this other clip here and I don't bring it up to call the Young Turks hypocrites, hypocrites because it's it's of jank. I think I'm... People, I'm bad with names, so I'm sorry. I'm probably getting all of these wrong. Um, I used to say Cenk, someone corrected me, and it's Cenk. But um, I, I understand that just because Cenk and these people, whose names I don't actually know, are on the same network, that doesn't mean they necessarily have all the same opinions as each other. They're going to agree all the time. Like, I don't agree with everything that's ever been said on The Blaze, and that's okay. But um, we have this clip of Cenk discussing the whole Trudeau blackface slash brownface incident. And I think it's kind of interesting because he seems to at least take a very different approach than these guys do. He seems to be a lot more, eh, we have to look at the context, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and here we have that video. All right, so uh, I am going to half defend him actually. So uh, he shouldn't have done the blackface. I'm not defending him on that at all. Um, on the brownface, I don't think there's any such thing. You have to have a conversation about why blackface is offensive. This is what drives me crazy. This is why I didn't, I thought it was wrong to fire Megyn Kelly without having a conversation about it. There's not a well known history of brownface in America where there was minstrel show of Arabs or Middle Easterners, etc. It's not to say that there hasn't been discrimination against Arabs, uh, even the KKK used to talk about Turks, so that's me, but they didn't do it in brownface. So it's just a different thing. And I think. And maybe you think I'm splitting hairs and that's fair, but I think that we have to like realize why it's offensive and then not get carried away and saying like, no, don't ever get dressed up as a minority of any sort. I do think that many people would say probably a good idea to just not dress up as any minority of any kind, especially in this climate. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's a pretty safe rule nowadays. But I, I, I do appreciate that Jenk says that he doesn't think Megyn Kelly should have been fired for merely discussing blackface. I, I agree with him. So mm -hmm. we, we kind of shorten that clip a little bit, but in it, he talks about why, what the history behind blackface really is in the United States. And I thought that was interesting because like I didn't grow up in the US or even Canada. So I actually didn't know the history of blackface in the US, like dressing up as minstrels yeah. and like kind of portraying them really, really negatively. I wasn't aware of that. I, I, I appreciate him, him discussing it, but in general, I do agree with him here. He's saying that, hey, context does matter. I don't know if he's only saying this to defend Trudeau. I will, you know, kind of make that disclaimer. Sure. But um, I would also say that I think it should even be more of a focus on situational context in regard to the person, even over historical context of the thing that you're doing. Yeah, no, I don't disagree, and I theoretically agree with Cenk, but here's the thing. When I see Trudeau get in front of a microphone, and we didn't include in sort of Trudeau talking about this, yeah. but what he did is he said, yeah, it was wrong, and it was wrong regardless of the context. He actually used that term. Mm -hmm. So it's like, listen, if you want to say it's wrong regardless of the context instead of having some kind of backbone because you've fostered a culture that's metastasized and it's going to eat you now, okay, you, die, you just die on that hill. That's fine. Don't yeah. defend them. You know, it's like- Well, uh, yeah, and that's what I think. It's like, personally- I have a lot bigger problems with Justin Trudeau than what he did when oh, he was a drama teacher. I didn't even blink when I saw it heard that story. It was like, yeah, oh, yeah it's of like, course. I, I don't care. Of course. There's, I have so many more criticisms of him. But, yeah. And I think a lot of people, when you know something comes up from Justin Trudeau or anyone on the left, the, they'll make a point to talk about it, not necessarily because they themselves care or even want to cancel that person, but they're trying to illustrate the hypocrisy. 
and mm-hmm. kind of hold people to the same standards that they espouse. A lot of people were talking about that with Sarah Silverman. Yep. She recently had this whole blackface thing. She got let go from a project because she has herself dressed up in blackface. And she's been one of the those comedians who is now totally progressive. I don't even say the word gay anymore because it's... <laughs> You know, that kind laughable of thing. or not. She used to be one of the most un-PC comics there were. And I thought she was funny back then. And it's like, you know, I I think it's nothing wrong with pointing out hypocrisy where it stands. But I think at the end of the day, we should still stand up for those people's rights to not be canceled to the point where they can no longer work. They can't even associate with other celebrities because it's it is still ridiculous, even if I don't like Justin Trudeau. Uh, you know, don't not vote for Trudeau because of what he did in 2001. Don't vote for Trudeau because, like, he's turning Canada into Canadistan. Like, that's mm-hmm. my pitch for it. Um, we're going to, like, finish off on a quote from the Babylon Bee, which, if you don't follow, is this hilarious satire site. Um, they, they said, Prodigal Son kicked back out after old tweets surface. Um, forgiveness is a virtue. It, it really is. Does that mean letting people do whatever they want? No consequences. Absolutely not. You know, especially if something is not just a one-off thing, but a pattern of bad behavior. Absolutely. We can and should call them out. Um, but it, it does mean giving people the room to change, grow, evolve, move on from, from their mistakes, if they're even mistakes at all. And I'm kind of encouraged by like this, clip from the Young Turks was not very well received. I think uh, online people calling out cancel culture like Dave Chappelle, that's been really popular lately. So that's true. I think we are moving in a direction where people are just kind of tired of it. And I I don't think it's a bad thing that maybe some of that opposition is from the fact that we're f- afraid of being canceled ourselves. But I think that's the attitude we should be because no, I agree. we may very well be in, in that position in the future. Um, okay, so our next story is about Greta, Greta Thunberg. Um, we've avoided talking about her on the show. I don't know if you guys yeah. have noticed. It's just a really tried situation. hard to. Yeah, like there's just no there's no benefit from it really. Like I mean, regardless of what we say, like people will say that we are attacking a child, especially like a child with autism. Yep. So I mean. And I think as Michael Knowles mentioned and found out, even if I do mention the autism and selective mutism and the OCD and how maybe it's not in the interests of her, Greta, as a child, as a child, uh, you know, with all these conditions to be in the public light like this um, for her own sake, I'll still get called the bad guy. You know, then not only am I attacking a child, I'm attacking a child with all these conditions, even worse. And it's like. Yeah. It's, uh, it's lose-lose. I mean, I think what you did there was a little bit different from what Michael did. Michael definitely likes to wade into the fire. We've he seen does. that. He We've seen that in the fire. past. He's a, he doesn't uh, back down, definitely. So, doesn't pull punches. <clears throat> doesn't pull any punches. Yeah. That's a better way of saying it, definitely. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that the way that he said it, at least, opened him up to bad faith argument very quickly. Yeah, so, but it's you like, know, you got to be I, conscious we can, of that. We can talk about the manner in which he said it, but at the end of the day... I do agree with his premise. And that's what makes this yeah. so hard to talk about. Well, I think we shouldn't care about what any minors say about politics, basically. I mean, we're going like, to get into know. that. I agree with that. Um, but so recently, she gave this speech. It was a pretty fiery one. Yes. Fire and brimstone. Um, we have a clip of that. It's been making the rounds on Twitter. You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. And yet, I'm one of the lucky ones. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. 
We are in the beginning of a mass extinction, and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? That was un that's uncomfortable for me to watch. Like I don't, I don't enjoy mm, yeah. watching that. I also like getting an economics lecture from a sixteen-year-old. Yeah, it's good. It's not not just yeah. like an economics; it's like a science lecture. It's as everything. Well. It's everything lecture. Um, so yeah, that's that was uncomfortable for me. I like Trump's troll of it. He said, uh, in he kind of quote tweeted the speech like, "So nice to see a, such a young, happy girl excited for the future," or something along that lines. The absolute yeah. mad lad. Um, so. I, I haven't really talked about Greta specifically very much, but I have talked about things like the Green New Deal and just this climate alarmism in general. This almost, it's like a doomsday religion at this point. Uh, yeah, I've had people call me anti-environment because of that, which really upsets me because I like the environment. I'm anti-pollution. I'm pro-conservation. Uh, you know, I give you crap. You threw me under the bus with the car. I give you crap for leaving the water on while he brushes his teeth and the AC on while he's gone. Listen, that's, okay. that's my right as a Canadian citizen. No, no, it's cold enough. Like We it's, don't need to no, do that. No, it's never cold enough. And I told you not to leave the AC on when your window was open. And then you're like, oh, don't leave the AC on when the window's open. And then he did it. He still did it, even though I told him not to. Anyway, so yeah, we're, we're both, wow. we both like the environment, right? Uh, yeah, I do. Well, you make it seem sarcastic <laughs> now. That's no, ridiculous. I mean, no, I, no, I do. Yeah. I do actually, you know, we're exaggerating a little bit here, uh, here and there. And. <laughs> No, we do try to definitely be mindful of what we're doing, you know, mm -hmm. try to reduce our waste. Can Canadians are per capita one of the highest polluters in the world, if not yeah, the and, and highest. In our but, defense, it's because where we live is inhospitable most of the year. Uh, um, that's what Lauren would say. Yes. That's what science says no, based no, on no. temperature. It's too cold here, folks. Don't Perfect. come. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we try to do our best. We, we look into things like solar panels for when we have our house, like hunting for conservation. And because yeah. uh, factory farming is a huge contributor, like we, we do care. I'm not anti-environment, but not believing that the world will end in 12 years it doesn't make you anti-environment, okay? It just makes you anti-alarmism. And frankly, this, this kind of doomsday, like freaking out that we see from Greta, who I think is honestly in some ways the victim here. Yeah, she's a puppet. She's clearly been to told a lot of things by adults who yeah. have exaggerated, if not flat out lied to her and have scared her. I mean, she says mm -hmm. that her childhood has been ruined. How depressing is that? It's it's not fair to her. And yep. the adults should have known better. Um, Bjorn Lomborg is an environmentalist. I've mentioned him so many times. Anytime I talk about environmentalism, pretty much, uh, he's, I guess, an environmental economist, I think is what he calls himself. Uh, I see him as pretty much the polar opposite of someone like Greta Thunberg. If I had to sum up how I feel about environmentalism, I would direct you to his work. He has this piece out in The Australian. Um, he addresses climate alarmism specifically, the kind that people like Greta or AOC push. And I think he does a great job of putting it into perspective because again, here, the issue is not, oh, we shouldn't care about the environment, anything like that, but it's just, let's get a handle and try to come back down to reality and what science actually says are uh, measurable ways to improve things while recognizing that, hey, people still need to heat their homes. People still need to eat something. Yeah. Um, it's called a climate of burning money. We have some excerpts here. He says, we need to challenge the ever more rampant talk about catastrophic climate change. Rhetoric has become unpinned from science. According to the UN Climate Science Panel's last major report, if we do absolutely nothing to stop climate change, the impact will be the equivalent to a reduction in our incomes of between 0.2% and 
2.5% decades from now. Work by Nobel laureate climate economist William Nordhaus, based on the UN findings, shows the likeliest outcome is a cost to the planet of about 3% of gross domestic product in coming centuries. That should be taken seriously, but it does not equal Armageddon. The havoc wreaked by Hurricane Dorian is, a tra is tragic, but it cannot be pinned on global warming, according to the UN's climate scientists, who say globally there is low confidence in attribution of changes in tropical cyclone activity to human influence. The Copenhagen Consensus Center asked 27 of the world's top climate economists to examine policy options for responding to climate change. This analysis shows that the best investment is in green energy R&D. For every dollar spent, $11 of climate damages would be avoided. This would bring forward the day when green energy alternatives are cheaper and more attractive than fossil fuels, not just for the elite, but for the entire world. Right now, despite all the rhetoric about the importance of global warming, we are not ramping up this spending. After 30 years of pursuing the wrong solution to climate change, we needed to change or we need to change the script. Um, so there you have it again. Like she talks about people are dying right now. Greta, that is dying from climate change. Who's telling you this? Who, who, who is saying this to you, little girl? I'm worried. Honestly, I am. And I don't mean that to sound condescending, but seriously, um, Dr. Phil, who I love, often says you don't involve children in adult problems, especially when they're not in a situation to help things. And I think that is exactly yeah. what's going on with Greta Thunberg. Not that we shouldn't raise children to be environmentally conscious, because of course we should. There's a difference between saying, hey, you know, uh, you know, when we're, taking a shower or anything we don't leave the water on we don't leave the windows open when the ac is running like we recycle stuff like that we try not to waste our food because it produced energy it took energy to produce it there's a difference between that and saying hey by the way we're all dead soon so you should probably try to change that like that's no, no, you not should probably have socialism yeah part, like you know it's uh... <laughs> exactly that's this whole other thing yeah um and so, I mean, I would even add to what uh, Bjorn Lomborg wrote that if you are an environmentalist and you really do want to reduce emissions, then I think, A, you got to address China and India because that's the thing. Greta, yeah. she recently released, I think it was like a, a list of five countries to the UN yeah. who needed to do more. India and China were not on that list. And look, no. I understand, like I've lived in China I understand that they only have emissions really because they're making our crap. So it's not like it absolves us of any responsibility. I get it. But I mean, still, it's their standards, their manufacturing regulations. They need to be part of the conversation addressing that. China is trying to move forward with things like nuclear energy, reduce emissions, which is great. But they, if we're going to be serious about this, we can't move on with just like all these rich West, Western nations saying like, oh, I have Beyond Meat burgers. So now we're good. Like, not the way it works. Also, I mean, you got to get on board with nuclear. Honestly, like I'm, I'm for investment in R&D, especially like private. I think a lot of, uh, a lot of the money that's being invested privately now is going into green energy because people think that it's going to be profitable in the future. And I think they really do care about finding these alternatives. Um, but right now, nuclear is the only energy source that not only reduces emissions, but that can actually sustain us. Like that is, actionable right now and is not mm -hmm. some far off thing or it's like oh yeah it's a little bit but it, it may actually end up costing more than it gives us nuclear is the answer here and look the thing with greta her and her activism doesn't address any of this it really doesn't it involves no. things like taking a boat a yacht that costs way more than anyone could ever afford and took two weeks and ended up having to get mm -hmm. more people to fly it to yep. fly around to 
sail it back than it used to. And I was like, you know what? That's that's fine. I don't expect her to be great at this activism stuff because she's a child. I don't expect her to want to lobby for things like, you know, getting China in the conversation, nuclear, whatever. Because again, she's a child. And at 16, I know she, it makes sense. She's at an age where she's interested in politics. That's where I think a lot of people start coming a little bit more aware. Um, I think she should be free to pursue her activism. But it's like, as the adults in the situation, I think we should wonder why she's in front of the UN. Like, why? Yep. Why are we giving her all of this attention? Doesn't yep. make sense. It's, it's literally just so they can have someone say, like, look, even children are scared about this. Even children know about this. How could you do this to children? And then if someone tries to criticize you, it's like, oh, how could you criticize a child? It's like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely annoying. And I, I would draw a comparison between her and AOC, at least in terms of the way that oh, the yeah. media coverage has gone, where... Mm-hmm. We on the right start blowing up when they say something that doesn't seem right or just, you know, whatever it might be. And then as a, as a reaction to that, the left is all the more happy to just keep pushing them to the front all the time. Yeah. So I think we need to kind of stop this cycle. You know, that's what Don't we tried to. Don't be obsessed with them. We yeah. tried to avoid talking about Greta Thunberg for a while. Uh, eventually it blew up to the point where... Now we kind of have to cover it. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want to cover that. We don't really want to cover AOC anymore either. I think that yeah, we're just think feeding the like, fire. We've you know? been pretty good at not covering AOC. Just yeah, because, like, I- yeah, it's 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 too easy, and yeah. it's and it's not working in terms of the left is still all over her. You know, so yeah. and uh, just before we move on, I do want to say that when it comes to oh, how dare you criticize a child? Uh, people have done this before. I just want to, you know, exhibit a. People like Nicholas Sandman, people like Kyle Cash, they were more to ha- more than happy to criticize him and get him kicked out of Harvard because of stuff he tweeted years ago. Uh, Nicholas Sandman, they were happy to cancel him and, you know, send him death threats for smiling at someone. So it's like, I'm, we, we're allowed to criticize the ideas of a 16-year-old, okay? If she's able to present them in front of the UN, we can at least be able to, dise- to dissect them. All right, so moving on, we have Mattel, who, if you guys don't know, is the big company behind... Um, toys like Barbie, Hot Wheels, things like that. Uh, they're coming out with a line of gender-neutral dolls. Yeah, you heard me. So Time Magazine did a whole piece about it, and I'm pretty sure it may have been one of those, like, sometimes outlets do paid promotional features where you can actually pay them to write a story about you, and they're not always disclosed. I'm, I don't know if this was or one of the, not one of these things. I have my suspicions, but uh, here's a clip of a video that accompanied the article. Kids right now, especially Gen Alpha kids, which are kids under the age of 10, they see gender very differently. They experience gender very differently. It's a perfect time to introduce this new doll line that is truly gender neutral. Introducing Creatable World. A doll line designed to keep labels out and invite everyone in. The whole objective of this doll is eliminating all the adult labels that we put on it. From the kids, they did not want their toys to be labeled. Ten-year-olds do not see gender differently now. Uh, They see gender as ten-year-olds have always seen gender, which is how uh, their parents have described it to them. So the idea that, oh, no, ten-year-olds are different now, so we need these different toys, like, no. Yeah. And that somehow, perhaps, the They're truth the of gender is innate, you yeah. know, like that. These 10-year-olds just seem they to know, know the, truth, yeah. the transcendent reality that there is no gender. And it gender. just so happens yeah. that they come from, like, coastal elitist parents. Yeah. Strange. Um. Yeah, and one of the biggest issues I have with this is that this is just such an example of, like, woke marketing because there are so many more gender-neutral or androgynous dolls already out there that we don't even Correct. think of because yeah. it's, it's not a big it deal. It's just a doll. Yeah, know? no, exactly. I mean... 
like what Legos, the Lego people. That's true. Are those men or women? I know some of them are like women on the girls set, which is like what I like because they had eyelashes. But a lot of them are just, you know, little Legos. And I mean, the switching hair thing, I guess, is new. The dolls can have different hair. And you could always put whatever clothes you wanted on a doll, though. And you could like I cut my Barbie's hair when I was younger. It was because my brother told me it would grow back, though, which was mean. But yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's just not a revolutionary That's product. That's pretty good, Kayla. I like that. No, that was mean. Um, so, yeah, unless you told us that these were non-binary dolls, I, I feel like most people, they just wouldn't know. You'd look at them and say, like, all right, that's a, that's a doll. Yeah. Cute. Um, yeah, this is just an attempt to appeal to progressive parents. Um, like, say there's this kid who becomes convinced that their gender is fluid by school or parents, whatever. I mean, just play with Paw Patrol right? I, those guys are huge right now. Absolutely killing it. Um, and I also want to mention that Mattel, they also a few years ago released, this is not the first time they've tried to go woke, different size Barbie dolls for different body types. Like there was a tall Barbie, short Barbie, skinny Barbie, fat Barbie. I didn't, we, I don't, don't think I mentioned that because I don't have a really big problem with that. That's fine. But I feel like this is just a they're trying to go even harder now for this. And I don't know, maybe I was weird when I was a kid, but I didn't feel the need to have a doll that displayed all of my immutable characteristics. And it's like, they, they make a big deal of saying the doll comes with like, they, she, him, or Z labels. It's like, it's a doll, you can call it whatever you want. It doesn't need to come with these labels already. This is just for the parents. Um, yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, I, I mainly just played with my Easy Bake Oven anyway, which is not a person, so didn't have a gender problem mm. solved and some people may ask why this matters why we care what a toy company does uh it matters because this represents bringing children into the ridiculous laughable and just like completely fantastical idea that they can swap back and forth between genders which is supported by nothing and uh, we have a, a picture of what the dolls actually look like and Time describes this as there are no Barbie-like breasts or broad Ken-like shoulders. Each doll in the Creatable World series looks like a slender seven-year-old with short hair, but each also comes with a wig of long, lustrous locks, a wardrobe befitting any gender. Um, so essentially, like, they've made kid dolls because kids' bodies are shaped like that, and they've get, given it different hair swapping. Super re revolutionary. That's pretty good. I've got a good comment here in chat that I have to highlight. It's from Cisco Dude. He says, what's next? Pregnant Ken? <laughs> Don't. Why yeah, not? Why, why not? not? Exactly. And what I thought is funny is that um, Mattel is the same company who has brands like Barbie and they make the WWE toys. Two of the most like hardcore gendered toys out there. Right. You don't mm. get more. This is for boys. This is for girls than Barbie and WWE. Okay, so I don't even think this is a, a, a case of like, oh, they really believe it. I literally do just think this is a case of, oh, how can we get the, the, the money of progressive parents? Um, and the, the marketing campaign around this thing is ridiculous. We have an excerpt from the Time article. It's called A Doll for Everyone. Meet Mattel's Gender Neutral Doll. Uh, it, it reads, quote, an eight-year-old boy who can, sorry, no, they don't refer to him as a boy. An eight-year-old who considers himself, okay, well, he they still use the him pronoun, uh, who considers himself gender fluid and whose favorite color is black one week, pink the next, Shia or Shia sometimes plays with his younger sister's dolls at home, but they're girly princess stuff, he says dismissively. 
This doll, with its prepubescent body and childish features, looks more like him, right down to the wave of bleached blonde bangs. The hair is just like mine, Shia says, swinging his head in tandem with the dolls. Then he turns, turns to the playmate in the toy testing room, a seven-year-old girl named Jahasi, and asks, should I put on the girl hair? Shia fits a long, blonde wig on the doll's head, and suddenly it is no longer an, av an avatar for him, but for his sister. And what is interesting about the Time article is that they also go into, okay, like, how big is this need for gender fluid toys or whatever? And that's probably what some of you guys are watching, thinking just who cares, right? This is like five kids in San Francisco. No big deal. You're wrong. They say the population of young adults who identify or young people who identify as gender non-binary is growing. Though no large surveys have been, been done of kids younger than 10, a recent study by the Williams Institute at the University of California, Los Angeles, found that 27%, that's more than one in four, of California teens identify as gender non-conforming. And a 2018 Pew study found 35% of Gen Zers, born 1995 to 2015, say they personally know someone who uses gender-neutral pronouns like they and them, compared with just 16% of Gen Xers, who are born between 1965 to 1980. The patterns are projected to continue with Generation Alpha, who were born in 2010 and later. Those kids, along with boys who want to play with dolls and girls who want to identif who identify as tomboys and don't gravitate toward fashion doll play, are an untapped demographic. Yeah. No, they're not. Like, I was more of a tomboy when I was a kid. And just like, you, a girl can play with Hot Wheels. You're allowed to play with Hot Wheels. Mm -hmm. No one is stopping you. When well, I the parents are. Yeah. That's the reality. They'll the slap them the out of the hand and say, like, no, you're not allowed to play with Hot Wheels unless you become trans. But if you just want to play with both, <laughs> then you can be gender non-conforming. Otherwise, get your get your dirty girl hands off of that. Yeah, toy toy. I mean, we're joking, but there's some degree of truth in that. That's why yeah. that's why this is the demographic. The demographic is not the kids, by the way. It's the parents. It's the parents, of course. It's absolutely right? the I mean, the kids don't have the money in the first place. That goes without yeah, saying, like but the it's the parents that will push this. Are the parents. When I was a kid, I had, like, a little Godzilla doll because i was really into dinosaurs yeah. i was perfectly comfortable playing with that i mean that was fine kids can play with wh whatever they want this is such a ridiculous woke virtue signal and another thing is i don't want to hear from anyone who is either supported or does support or you know has a gender fluid child or their existence or whatever, give me any crap about indoctrination when it comes to, you know, the fact that I want my kid to go to a Christian school like I went to or like we went to, okay? Because I think the the, the idea that evil right-wingers are just like pro-indoctrination and then like the progressives are just like, we're anti that, we let them think for themselves. No, okay? Yeah. A, a child does not grow up and then just naturally start identifying as gender fluid with they, them pronouns. That is not a thing that happens. There's parents' politics at play or school politics at play, which is another point I want to make is that if, especially if you are in California, please do not trust your, your kids with the public school system if you can avoid it. I know not everyone can do homeschooling or private schooling, but just know that if your kid does go to a public school, you need to be on top of that. Don't just yeah. take for granted that they're not going to be filling their head with this kind of stuff. It's unfortunate because apparently even the problem extends to some daycares. Yeah. So they're starting it super, super early. Yeah. 
And, you know, this is a problem in California. This is a huge problem in Canada. Some of the stuff like the gender unicorn or what is it? Gender elephant is the new one. Gender elephant. I think the gender, I know the gender, the gender bread man at one point or something too. (laughs) Again, that was clever though, but it's inappropriate for children. Um, Yeah. I just, you're not wrong if you think that it's a small fringe who believes this stuff. But the problem is that this small fringe has inserted themselves into very powerful positions. So even though there's only a handful of them, they just so happen to run school boards, decide curriculum, things like that, be in charge of, I think, like the Canadian Cancer Society was now using language like trans women and non-trans women. Mm-hmm. And they're I, in all your HR departments. Yeah, and I, I yeah. love how the, the standard used to be like just woman and then it was like woman and trans woman and they were like no that's not inclusive enough so now biological women they're not just women they're non-trans women so then it's almost like the default is trans women it's like okay like you you need to calm down i can't i i can't do this anymore um so again i'm gonna say it i'm not telling you to boycott uh mattel or anything like that i know i personally would just rather spend my money elsewhere if i have the choice i just want you guys to be aware of this I'm not canceling them because I, you know, if if my child someday wants a Barbie, I'm not going to say no, but it's just, yeah, there, there are other toy brands out there who don't try to push gender neutral pronouns on, on their children. I'm really curious to see whether this pays off for Mattel. Like, I mean, how big could this market be? I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I mean, if they follow in the footsteps of Gillette or is it successful? I think that this will be marginally successful that's the that's what i think well i think the only re the only way it could be successful is if people look at the dolls and just think like oh a doll and they buy it because they like the look of the doll which I, is a th- I, like yeah. you know it's it's a doll you can have it long hair or short hair how many kids playing with these dolls will actually think oh this is a gender fluid doll now it's a boy now it's a girl they're probably just gonna say like oh long hair short hair I don't know. It, yeah, it might still do well. Um, but I think in any case, that's all the stories that we have for today. So for anyone who's watching live, uh, please be sure to stay on the stream because we're going to be back in just a few seconds with exclusive Q&A. But for everyone else, we really appreciate you tuning in and we'll see you next week. Bye.